And so, as a forgiven and a beloved people, let us hear our scripture reading for today. This text has been selected by our guest preacher, Mr. Todd Warfield, that I will be introducing momentarily. But let us take this time to once again settle our hearts into God's heart, and let us hear our Acts scripture for today with new minds and new ears. Today's text is Acts 2, 14a and 36 through 41. And I am reading from the Common English Bible Translation, but as always, I encourage you to hear this or to read along in the biblical language that best connects you with God. So once again, let us hear Acts 2, verses 14a and 36 through 41. Peter stood with the other 11 apostles and he raised his voice and declared, Therefore, let all Israel know beyond question that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. When the crowd heard this, they were deeply troubled. And they said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? And Peter replied, Change your hearts and lives. Each of you must be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you, your children, and for all who are far away, as many as the Lord our God invites. With many other words, Peter testified to them and encouraged them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Those who accepted Peter's message were baptized. God brought about 3,000 people into that community on that day. These are the lessons of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Now, this is indeed a powerful text. It is the one that welcomes us into Pentecost. And Pentecost is a revival, a rebirth, and an opening of the church. And so it is an appropriate text for Eastertide. And so I would like to invite us to hear this message, a daily reorienting that is being brought to us by our guest preacher, Mr. Todd Warfield. Now, Todd is one of the most wonderful humans I have met in some time. And I have the privilege and the honor of working with him on the conference level. Um, but as I have gotten to, to know him and his, his wit and his sense of humor, I have come to appreciate him as so much more than just a colleague. He is indeed a gifted preacher and an appropriate person to bring us our message on Native American Ministries Sunday, as he is someone with Abenaki heritage. Um, and those are the, the people, the first people of northern New England. Yes? Todd is an advocate for indigenous rights and sovereignty issues. And he will take the time to explain to us 
our altar display today, this powerful piece of art. And for those of you who are listening on the podcast, I encourage you to check out our photos on our Instagram and on Facebook because you will be able to see this beautiful art installation. He is the co-chair of a social justice group at his local church, and he serves on the Committee on Native American Ministries and the Commission on Race and Religion at our New England annual conference level. He is also the communications chairperson on the executive team for the Northeastern Jurisdictional Committee, which is the Northeast, for those of you who do not speak United Methodist, on Native American Ministries. He lives in Rochester, New Hampshire with his wife, Dawn. Todd is not just an amazing preacher and speaker, but he is also an artist and a musician. And in his spare time, he enjoys the outdoors, even on days like today, where it is rainy and cold here in New England. But he likes to hike and to travel with his beloveds. And so I hope to encourage us to take the time to faithfully listen to the words that our amazing Todd Warfield will be bringing to us and let us hear the message that he brings with the spirit of Christ in our hearts. Thank you. Uh, this artwork is something I painted. Um, I came up with this and sketched it originally uh, in my notebook and then I decided to do it in digital artwork and then I finally decided to do an actual uh, acrylic on, on canvas. This is to honor murdered and missing indigenous women and girls. Uh, this will be displayed at my church next Sunday and then we'll be bring, also be bringing it to conference during the annual conference sessions to honor those women and children that have been missing from families. It's been very powerful to make this a reality. Will you pray with me? Creator God, bless the words of my mouth and meditations of our hearts, that they be acceptable to you, our rock and redeemer. Amen. The scripture reading today gives us the bookends of Peter's sermon. We get the beginning, once upon a time, the ending, therefore, and the crowd's response. We're then possibly, possibly scratching our heads as to what the rest of the sermon said. Or perhaps the lectionary crafters in their weird ways decide that the preacher gets to fill in the blanks like a mad lip. It's interesting that Peter is preaching on this occasion. Just a few weeks before this, Peter denies knowing Jesus three times. And in those weeks, Peter and the other disciples are transformed by their encounters with the risen Christ. Now in Jerusalem, Peter and the disciples are filled with the Holy Spirit. This spirit is the power behind this sermon. Peter's sermon makes this bold statement. Let all Israel know beyond question that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. This was the Messiah that was being foretold. Now, there are two responses to Jesus. 
And Peter's trying to point that out. The people who crucified Jesus, and then the Creator God, who makes Jesus Lord and the Messiah, Christ. Now we, as those people, have the chance to right the wrong. The Spirit is responsible for that crowd's response to Peter's sermon. The crowd murmurs and is deeply troubled. But they ask the important question, what should we do? And Peter replies, change your hearts. Now Peter continues to say, change your hearts to us today. In 2015, the New England Annual Conference held an act of repentance for indigenous communities. This service was not just a one-time event recognizing the church's history of oppression against indigenous people. Sadly, we have not lived into the promises that were made. As we consider the history of Methodism in relation to Native American communities, we have to recognize the complicity in genocide and trauma. Boarding schools, including the ones run by Methodists in the United States, have inflicted multi-generational trauma, starting with the children that went there and the following generations afterwards. The initial Department of Interior report that came out in May of 2022 states that from 1819 to 1969, there were over 400 schools that operated in 37 states or then territories, including 21 schools in Alaska and seven in Hawaii. Children were forced by one means or another to attend these schools. At least 500 Native children died while attending those boarding schools. The long-term effects are still being felt some seven generations later multi-generational trauma, continued marginalization, and many languages that are still now under threat of extinction. In 2019, as part of a Northeastern Jurisdictional Committee on Native American Ministries meeting, our, tour, our group gets to tour what's left of Carlisle Indian Boarding School. Carlisle is in Carlisle, Pennsylvania, and is still an active army base as a war college. Still trying to figure out what that means. <laughs> but Carlisle Indian School was nothing short of genocide disguised as American education. I saw firsthand the solitary confinement units and could feel the absolute anguish as I stood outside two of those units. I saw the now infamous building, and we have a slide to kind of depict that, of uh, the children sitting in front of this now infamous building, the before showing the traditional dress, long hair, normal names, the after pictures showing no one smiling, all in military outfits, English names, and haircuts. I saw the buildings and grounds where children were conscripted into manual labor and learned vocational skills that sometimes left Native graduates with very little employment options or often irrelevant options 
in the United States industrial economy, which further disrupted tribal economies. Our last stop on this tour was at the edge of the Carlisle property, the cemetery, where the graves of mostly children are. Some stones are marked with just a first name, age, and tribe. Some are marked as unknown. A group of us smudged the entire cemetery. We prayed over numerous headstones. We sang some traditional music. We left gifts of tobacco and a whole lot of tears. Peter puts it simply, change your hearts and your lives. And we might intrinsically reply, well, that's easy. Or maybe as some of us will murmur like the Jerusalem crowd did, wondering how the events of the past still inform us today. And beloved, I know what you're thinking, but wait, we just did this in Lent. But our text today challenges us to make that a daily reorientation. It is a daily practice to do social justice work. It is a daily practice to reorient yourself back to Jesus, back to the love and liberation that he brings as a risen Christ. How do we reorient ourselves? How do we take that first step? We can focus daily on love versus disgust or dislike. We can focus daily on love versus jealousy, hatred, treating someone as less than. We can focus on love versus intimidation, slurs, violence, or abuse. We can focus on love versus assault, appropriation, or denigration. We are that risen Christ that people see when you meet them. A risen Christ that not loves just not a few people, but everyone. It isn't easy to practice daily. We often trip up, revert back to our old behaviors, say the wrong things, or have something we have said taken out of context. But that should not stop us from doing it. I've been involved in several different aspects of social justice work for almost 30 years. I'm still learning. I still have to have that I don't know everything mentality. This isn't a space where we can just simply take a course, check a box, and have it become a part of our regular routine. The United Methodist Church offers through this discipleship ministries a free subscription to daily anti-racism prayers. I strongly recommend that as a first step in making this a daily practice. The second step of making a change in our life is through baptism. This change invokes dying of the old way, rising of the new. Dying to our self-centered, guilt-ridden, never-enough, revenge-seeking way of life, and rising to interconnected, community-centered, forgiven and forgiving, loved and loving way of Christ. Baptism is linked to repentance. Baptism is an invitation to new life. 
We are changed through baptism in heart and in mind, soul and strength. We baptize to make that marked change in someone's life. We baptize to celebrate God's forgiveness and grace. Baptism is a gift, a response, and an invitation. Amen. It is a gift of forgiveness and grace from God. We are invited to change our hearts and minds towards God. We are responding by being baptized. This is a public acceptance of God's gift, an agreement or covenant that begins a new way of life. And the third step is opening yourself up as Holy Spirit as your guide. Right before this passage of scripture is the account which we know as Pentecost, that Holy Spirit descending on the apostles. Holy Spirit continues to guide us in those acts of repentance to better community with our indigenous sisters and brothers. This giving of the Holy Spirit wasn't just a one-time deal, limited time, you can mail in your box <laughs> tops. It continues to be available. We have to be able to recognize that God is not just working in spite of us through grace, but being open to God working within you through the Holy Spirit. We need this transformed mind to begin to see through Christ's eyes, which is that continuation of being the need of being the hands and feet of Christ, to guide our transformed lives, participating in the mission of liberation, reconciliation, and justice. This means supporting continued recognition of church's role in Indian boarding schools, supporting repatriation efforts so that the remains of children can not only be located, but potentially return to tribal homelands if the family so chooses. This means helping support boarding school survivors and their descendants. This means supporting indigenous people that desperately need, desperately stand in the need of overall better access to health care, mental health care, clean water, food security, sovereignty rights, language education efforts, addiction services, job opportunities, and schools. Amen. This means supporting efforts to locate the hundreds of missing and murdered indigenous people in this country. This means advocating for improved justice systems that do not allow for the overturning of Indian Child Welfare Act by the Supreme Court. This means honoring indigenous spiritual beliefs and practices. Amen. The list goes on and on. Are we willing to be able to lovingly hold one another accountable in a way that does not condemn, but invites us into that new way of living? Are we able to recognize the sacred worth of all people particularly the sacred worth of indigenous people. Amen. Are you ready to reorient yourself daily to Jesus? Amen. Hallelujah. Amen.